Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 118 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 118 of WrestleTopia gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And last night was Monday Night Raw going down live from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And I thought this was a fairly... Solid episode of Monday Night Raw, which really felt like the night after WrestleMania from earlier this month. And the vibe from Dallas to Knoxville was night and day. The crowd reactions were moderate, so to speak, but the surprise returns were everything. It felt like, oh, this is really the post-WrestleMania season in full swing for Monday Night Raw at long last. We got that via SmackDown a few weeks ago, but Monday Night Raw felt like the first true reset post-WrestleMania as we ironically head into WrestleMania Backlash next Sunday on Peacock. But without further ado, let's take a deep dive into last night's Monday Night Raw, which kicked off with Riddle, one half of the Raw Tag Team Champions. We have a collection of baby faces and heel superstars at ringside celebrating the 20th anniversary of Randy. Randy Orton's debut in WWE to the day on April 25th, 2002, and Riddle tossed her video package highlighting the career of Randy Orton so far from his debut match against Hardcore Holly to remembering the days that Orton took it to the top rope with some beautiful cross bodies and missile drop kicks. Those were the days when Orton would take flight from the very tippy top rope. And over the years, Orton's in-ring style has evolved in order to add longevity to his career, which makes sense because early on he dealt with a lot of shoulder injuries throughout his career that sidelined him for a while into joining Evolution in 2003, which was a game changer for Orton as he became IC champion and eventually segued to being the legend killer by having an absolutely classic hardcore match against McFarlane only at Backlash 2004 and a few short months later he became the youngest world heavyweight champion in history only for Triple H to kick him out of Revolution the next night on Monday Night Raw which led to their mini feud that lasted several months which saw Triple H win back the heavyweight championship heading into his WrestleMania feud with Batista a few short months later. Then Randy Orton forms Rated RKO with Edge, which was a very fun tag team at the time. He got back on top by beating John Cena to become WWE champion once again. And then in 2009, he became psycho killer Randy Orton, punting Vince McMahon, punting Triple H, handcuffing Triple H and planting a kiss on Stephanie McMahon after dropping her with an RKO in one of the more twisted moments in Monday Night Raw history, which led to the infamous home invasion involving Triple H breaking into Randy Orton's house with the sledgehammer, no less. And you hear fake wife number three crying and screaming upstairs because Orton had an assortment of fake TV wives posing as his not wife on TV for a time. And they had the very dreary WrestleMania 25 main event over the WWE Championship. Then we segue to authority Randy Orton becoming the undisputed champion over John Cena in December 2013. He would drop the title to Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. And from there, his relationship with the authority became very icy as Seth Rollins assumed control in the faction. And he and Orton had a fantastic match at WrestleMania 31, which saw one of the coolest RKO evers that popped Randy Orton. Since then, Randy has provided moments from burning down Bray Wyatt's shack, setting the fiend on fire, and forming a tag team with Riddle called RK Bro. But my absolute favorite era of Randy Orton is 2011 split-jumping Randy Orton feuding with Christian over 
the heavyweight championship on SmackDown. And that was my feud of the year. I know CM Punk came through against John Cena and Money in the Bank. But in terms of bell to bell matches that built up psychologically and just told a great story throughout. And you can remember the callbacks from previous matches. Orton and Christian just hit differently for me. And I treasure their feud. That was professional wrestling at its finest. As I segue into 2020, Randy Orton attacking Edge the night after the Warrior Rumble, which jump-started this podcast the very same night. And I was in awe of his performances heading into WrestleMania. His promos were great. The match was lacking, but they made up for it for the not greatest wrestling match ever at Backlash a couple of months later. But that Randy was motivated and determined to tell his story in the most epic way possible, delivering great matches against Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam and Hell in a Cell for that matter. But eventually he would segue into a feud with The Fiend And when he set that man on fire in their Inferno match, I laughed my ass off. The WrestleMania match was trash, but that moment in December 2020 had me hollering in the best possible way. And now we're into the 2022s and RK Bro is running shop on Monday Night Raw as the Raw Tag Team Champions. And Randy has gone on the record on numerous occasions stating that he is having the time of his life. He's never had so much fun as he is right now. And I can tell, I think back to the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony a few weeks ago, he was the MVP standing up, laughing, living his best life. I looked at a clip via social media of Bianca Belair making her entrance and Randy Orton is twirling his hoodie like Bianca's ponytail. This guy, whether the cameras are on or off, is absolutely enduring to see. And it's crazy thinking about how Randy Orton used to be, the guy that coasted for a very long time. He knew he was good, but you know what? I'm not going to try as hard because I know I can just coast. And that was explained vividly, courtesy of Triple H and John Cena, on Randy Orton documentaries produced by WWE. And they were very candid in saying that Randy does not know how great he is. Sometimes he just rests on his laurels. And we've seen that over the years when Randy phones it in, does not care and says, hmm, I'm just here for the check. You don't see that right now. He is living his best life because he knows that once you reach the prime of your career, you can let loose, you can be yourself, and you can really appreciate what this business has done for him and what he has meant to the fans. Yes, the relationship has been rocky at times, but... When you've been in the trenches for 20 years and you are one of the last OGs left standing, you're going to get the love while you're here, while you're able to do what you do best, and that is put on a show for the masses. So I thought that the retrospective video of Randy's career was great, and his comments about having the time of his life alongside Riddle was a nice touch. And the man of honor came through, got a great reception. He thanked all of his rivals, including Edge, Triple H, John Cena, Mick Foley, for example, who really pushed him over the top nearly 20 years ago in their epic match at Backlash. It featured a shit ton of barbed wire and thumbtacks. But then he gets into his friendship with Riddle as how that has really transformed the latter stages of his career. And he thanks the fans for always having his back through it all. And then Riddle has a nice surprise for Randy Orton in that an extra special person wants to say thank you. And that person is Cody Rhodes from Legacy. And it's a nice reunion. They hug it out. They smile it up. And then Seth Rollins 
in a very loud green suit looking like a supersized leprechaun saying, oh, how dare you, Cody Rhodes, interrupt Randy's moment. Everything does not have to revolve around you all the time. Then Elias, or shall I say Ezekiel, gets involved to introduce himself to Randy Orton as he says, I am Elias's younger brother, Ezekiel, and we watched you from way back in the day. And Randy says, when you was this high, pointing downwards, it was a great little touch there. Then Kevin Owens comes to the crowd saying, that is not Ezekiel, that is Elias, and I'm going to find the truth one way or another. And that leads to the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos, coming out to say, our favorite Randy Orton moment is going to be when we beat RK-Bro to become the undisputed unit. Unified WWE Tag Team Champions. And before things get too crazy, we got WWE official Adam Pearce coming out to make an eight-man tag team match featuring RK-Bro, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, and Ezekiel versus the SmackDown Tag Team Champions Usos, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins. Things got a little squirrely towards the end when Randy Orton dropped KO with an RKO out of nowhere to wrap up the opening segment. I thought this was a very good way to kick off the show. I love anniversary celebrations randy orton's video package was everything orton's promo came from the heart and the cody touch was nice as they reunited for the first time since their legacy days and that has been a hot minute in wwe and i love the interruptions from seth rollins and kevin owens ezekiel gets a little nod of credit too so all in all this was hijinks at its best when it comes to celebrating one's milestone anniversary in wwe Next up is Bianca Belair, reigning defending Raw Women's Champion, going up against Sonya Deville for the championship. And this was shenanigans at its worst and best as Bianca Belair tossed Sonya Deville over the announce table and got the countout victory. But Sonya made the ring announcer restart the match because she wasn't ready. So the match restarts and Bianca Belair is trying to avoid an attack by Sonya Deville who grabs her ponytail and Sonya responds by hitting Bianca in the back with a steel chair, which draws the DQ. So now the match is not only no count out, but also no disqualification. And then we have Queen Zelina and Carmella come out there reunited randomly to join in on the beatdown as we go to commercial break. We come back, we got chairs in the ring, and we got Zelina and Carmella causing trouble for Bianca Belair. Bianca does fight back, but she is dropped face first into the second turnbuckle. And Sonya lays her out with a DDT on the chair for a very close near fall. But Bianca is able to fight off Carmella and Queen Zelina and shove Sonya face first into the chair in the corner and hit the KOD to retain the Raw Women's Championship in front of her hometown crowd. And that made me happy because it's a rarity when the hometown hero stands tall. And Bianca Belair did that last night by overcoming the odds and whooping ass in order to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Since this match took place tonight, what will happen heading into WrestleMania Backlash next Sunday. Will we get a rematch involving Bianca and Sonya again, or is someone else in the wings for Bianca Belair, such as Ding Dong, Hello, Bailey? Just a friendly suggestion, but as always, we shall see. Next up is Vera Mahan versus Sam Smothers, and poor Sam got laid out with that million-dollar clothesline by Vera Mahan, and Veer chokes him out with the cervical clutch a short time later, but Veer is not done as he continues to go after poor Sam Smothers as Veer does a vertical leap on top of the announce table and reapplies the cervical clutch to choke out Sam Smothers some more. That was very impressive by Veer, but the presentation is so 1980s and this guy screams cool 
on social media. He's got some swagger. The hair is always on point. But I feel like this presentation is incredibly dated. And I thought there would be a pivot when it came to his eventual main roster debut regarding his presentation. Hopefully WWE goes in a different direction because the foreign heel menace can only go so far in this day and age without it becoming incredibly tired and out of date. Next up is an arm wrestling contest featuring Omos and Bobby Lashley. And MVP is backing Omos because Bobby Lashley left MVP high and dry at WrestleMania. He has not forgotten it. He won't forgive it. And he is backing Omos to be the guy to take out the Almighty once and for all. Bobby comes out there all business ready for this arm wrestling competition. And the arm wrestling match is on. And MVP's talking shit, calling Bobby weak. You're nothing. You're a nobody without me. You're a quitter. You're a loser. You're nothing without me. And Bobby fires up at this and he grabs Omos's hand and he goes in for the win, which he gets after a brief struggle. And MVP can't believe it, which leads to him trying to swat his cane in the direction of Bobby Lashley that backfires. But Omos attacks Bobby from behind. He beats his ass with a choke slam. He uses the arm wrestling table as a weapon by slamming Bobby's face into it repeatedly and then hitting him in the abdomen with it over and over and over again per the request of MVP to wrap up the segment with Lashley down and out, leading to a WrestleMania Backlash rematch featuring Lashley versus Omos next Sunday on Peacock. And we saw this at WrestleMania. It was fine at best. I don't want to see Bobby go 50-50 with Omos. This should be over heading into Hell in a Cell in June as Bobby should be a big factor in the Unified Universal Championship picture heading into the heart of the summer season. Next up is Becky Lynch. Back for the first time since her loss to Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. She's coming out there in all black, white platform booties, wearing shades, the haircut's on point, and Becky Lynch has hit rock bottom. For the first time in three years, she does not have a championship around her waist. There's not a championship over her shoulder, and she doesn't know what to do with herself. And she admits, I've hit rock bottom, but when you're at the bottom... There's nowhere to go but up. And my redemption story begins. The Becky Lynch comeback story is underway. And I would dethrone Bianca Belair. And I would get back my precious, my championship, my love in due time. And nobody in that locker room is going to be able to stop me. But someone is in the form of the returning Asuka who gets a great pop from the Knoxville crowd. And she tells Becky Lynch she's back and nobody's ready for Asuka because Asuka wants a piece of Becky Lynch. And Becky cannot believe it. She tries to go after Asuka. But Asuka responds with a spinning back fist and Becky runs for the heels to wrap up the segment. And I really enjoyed this. Asuka and Becky Lynch have produced magic on Monday Night Raw previously over the Raw Women's Championship. Back-to-back bangers at the 2019 and 2020 Warrior Rumble. Then we go back to a stellar Women's Championship match on Raw in early 2020 prior to the pandemic. So they always deliver big. And both ladies have not been around each other for a couple of years now. And it's crazy to think that nearly two years ago, Asuka became the Grand Slam of Grand Slam champions by winning the Money in the Bank briefcase 
and winning the Raw Women's Championship when Becky gave up the title due to her being pregnant with her first child. So this was a full circle moment and I cannot wait to see Becky and Oscar run it back. Their chemistry is everything and it's nice to see a women's feud not revolving around the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca deserves space to breathe a bit away from Becky Lynch and let Becky try to redeem herself via this feud with Asuka and see where it takes her from there. Next up is Damian Priest versus Finn Balor. And Damian Priest, about a minute and a half into this match, drops Finn with the razor's edge on the hardest part of the ring. You guessed it, the ring apron. And Edge on his throne is watching this match on the main stage, bathed in the purple light. And he talked about this via a backstage promo. He hears the critiques, he reads the criticisms, and he's like, I can do whatever I want to do. How dare you criticize me? I'm still going to say what I'm going to say. It's too much for me. It's like over the top for 2022. But do you, boo? Congratulations to Judgment Day, which happens to be the new name for Edge's brood crew for the 2022s. And we come back from break and Finn Balor is trying to make a decent comeback. The series of strikes and the reverse DDT is able to go up top, but he is distracted by Edge who stands up from his throne. And that distraction allows Damian Priest to grab Finn and hit the South of Heaven chokeslam followed by a flatliner to pin Finn Balor clean for the win despite a slight distraction from Edge on the main stage and Finn eating losses back-to-back weeks. I don't like it in the least. I'm hoping that this will lead to a dream tag team of Finn Balor and AJ Styles forming a Bullet Club adjacent faction against Edge and Damian Priest. The tag team matches would be everything and I can forgive the losing streak if it gives me a Bullet Club adjacent vibe on Monday nights involving the OGs, Styles, and Balor. Because let's not forget they produced match nearly five years ago via a match that happened at the last minute at a TLC pay-per-view when Bray Wyatt fell ill and AJ stepped in at the last minute. So I really want to see these guys interact once again, teaming up and facing off against Edge and Damian Priest, which will give some redemption to the purple lighting that really aggravates me most weeks. Next up is Miz TV featuring The Miz and brand new United States champion Theory. And Theory is wedded by the Knoxville crowd. He tells him to shut up and he powers through saying that I am the future of this business. Vince panpicked me to be the next guy up and nobody is going to be able to touch me for this championship. And Miz reminds him that championship really hasn't been relevant since I won it 12 years ago. But here's your chance to take that championship to new heights like I did, which leads to the surprising return of Mustafa Ali to WWE. And I was very happy to see him because he absolutely kicks ass in every conceivable way. I'm glad that he and WWE was able to work it out. I spoke about him a week or two ago during the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage Late Night Razor saying that Ricochet and Ali could produce magic over the Intercontinental Championship. But Ali, as I set on the United States Championship, and he wants to face Austin Theory, or shall I say Theory, right then and there tonight. But Theory turns down the challenge, and Ali says, what are you, biceps or no balls? And the Miz chirps in as well, calling Mustafa Ali, Mufasa Ali, Allah the Lion King. And Ali says, oh, that's funny. But you know what's really funny? Every time I see you wrestle, now that's the real joke. Things get serious from there. In theory, Texas Vince in the ring and he books a match featuring Ali versus Miz, which takes place after the commercial break. And... The match was fine. Ali is great. The Miz is more than competent in the ring, but Ali really can't be flashy with the Miz. He can do a flip here and there, deliver some nice chops, 
but he can't really go off the way he can against a more comparable opponent as the miss slows down the pace with headlocks and those fake ass it kicks. Then he's able to chop block the leg of Ali and try to lock in the figure four. But Ali rolls up the Miz for the win. And I'm very happy that Ali recorded his first win upon his return to Monday Night Raw. And after the match is over, Ciampa, no longer Tomasa, attacks Ali from behind and lays him out on the main stage. And give me Ciampa versus Ali all day, every day. Two guys that can absolutely cut loose for 20 minutes and tell the most dynamic story in the ring. Give me that immediately. If I cannot get Ricochet versus Ali, I would take Ciampa over Ali any day of the week as well. So I'm all in for that. I'm very happy that Ali is back on TV because he is supremely gifted in the ring. He's a great promo. He's incredibly creative when it comes to putting together content to get himself over and to forward his own feuds in the process behind the scenes. So he's hoping that WWE and Ali work things out in the past couple of months or so because it was very dicey. Ali requested his release from WWE and it was not granted. And he said, I got two years left in this contract. I guess I'll wait it out. And he still produced some great videos on Twitter of him working out in the ring. And he was putting in that work, which I enjoyed. And I hope that's on full display on Monday Night Raw in his eventual match against Ciampa, which could be great if given time. But above all else, I hope he's happy. And I hope that he and Vince and all the people behind the scenes in WWE hash things out, work through the issues, and get to a better place professionally and personally because Ali is great. And he is one of those guys that you can really push to the moon without the retribution bullshit of it all. He's got it if you let him showcase what he can do on a more consistent basis. And it's telling that they had opportunities to fire him for the fourth quarter and first quarter reports dropping very soon. They have not done so. He was hoping they're not that petty to do it now after they've got him back in the fold in terms of being on TV weekly. But I just hope that this was a moment for both parties to sit down, talk through their shit, and get on the same page once again. Because Ali is one of a kind. And when you got a talent like that, you want to push him accordingly. You want to give him all the resources to succeed because he cannot get out the park. He's got what you want. The look, the charisma, and the talent to be a top-tier star on Monday nights. And now it is time for our main event featuring the Raw Tag Team Champions, RK Bros, Riddle and Randy Orton, alongside the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes and Ezekiel, not Elias, versus the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Jimmy and Jey Uso, Seth freaking Rollins and Kevin Owens in an eight-man tag team match. And this match was a lot of fun. Ezekiel shut off some new moves, including a delayed vertical netbreaker to Jey Uso in a pretty sweet spot. He also delivered a spine buster to Seth Rollins in a knee strike as well. Eventually, Cody gets the high tag, but he gets worked over by the Usos. Riddle gets in there, but he is dropped with a reverse superplex from the top rope, courtesy of Seth Rollins. As we go to commercial break, we come back and Riddle's able to drop Rollins with a floating bro, but Jimmy is going to prevent the tag in the corner. Riddle fights back, but he is ambushed by the heels once again, which leads to Owens hitting Riddle with a top rope set on for a very close near fall. And Riddle just bumps his way to Orton as he makes a high tag. And Randy fucking Orton goes crazy. A clothesline to Jay, a snap power slam as well. Goes for the dripping DDT, but he's pulled out of the ring by Jimmy Uso. And from there, Randy delivers belly to back suplexes to Seth Rollins, to Jimmy Uso, to Kevin Owens. And in the funniest line of the night, Randy pokes Owens in the eye. 
And Owens is, oh my eye. It's so over-exaggerated and over the top, but I love it as Orton dropped his ass with a belly-to-back suplex on the announce table. And he focuses attention back to Jey Uso and delivers a dripping DDT. And from there, this is an RKO party. We have Cody Rhodes delivering a disaster kick to Rollins as Rollins goes bye-bye with an RKO out of nowhere. Kevin Owens super kicks Cody, but Ezekiel helps Orton hit the RKO on Kevin Owens. From there, Jimmy Uso gets involved, but he gets hit with the final flash knee by Riddle, and they hit the tandem RKO on Jimmy Uso. And finally, Jay goes up top for the Uso splash, but Randy catches him in midair with an RKO out of nowhere to pick up the win. Five RKOs in one night, one via the opening segment, two KO, and four more during this match and three belly-to-back suplexes on the announce table. This was peak Orton. This was the ultimate 20th anniversary celebration, and I loved it. The babyface celebrated, and this is a rare case where the babyface had a lovely anniversary, got the win, got the shine, got the love from the people, and this was a great way to wrap up a pretty fun Monday Night Raw. I will say that WWE added so much filler prior to the main event. Recap of Omos versus Lashley in the arm wrestling contest. We got Rhea getting jumped backstage by Liv Morgan. We got a recap for next week's show. We had entrances for Cody, Ezekiel, and RK Burrow alongside the Usos, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins. Then we have an all-out brawl leading into the first commercial break, heading into the matchup in full swing. And then one more break leading to the finish with the RKOs and the belly-to-back suplexes on set announce table. So a lot of fluff, a lot of filler to stretch out these three hours. But all in all, this was a very fun night of Monday Night Raw that has fused in motion heading into WrestleMania Backlash, which sets up the most craziest stadium season ever for WWE, winning three stadium shows in under three months is crazy from Allegiant Stadium for Money in the Bank to Nissan Stadium for SummerSlam all the way to Principality Stadium for the Cardiff Wells premium live event in the UK. These are big ticket shows. The UK show is guaranteed to sell out. The two stateside shows should do fairly well heading into the heart of the summer season. But you got to make your TVs count for something to make sure fans have a reason to make these summer destination shows must-see in terms of travel. And with that, this wraps up a pretty good episode of Monday Night Raw. And this felt like the night after WrestleMania, four weeks too late. But we got returns with more to come heading into the heart of the spring season because I was not here for the WrestleMania lull of it all. And apparently, WWE is trying their best to avoid it in the best possible way. And for that, I thank them despite the slight repeatomania of it all heading into WrestleMania Backlash next Sunday on Peacock. And with that, this wraps up episode number 118 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at LadyWrestlingX on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestoptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw. NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, such Wrestletopia, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning recapping episode number 66 of the NXT Nightcap. Recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.